Hey folks, and welcome to a Daily Ratings Podcast. It's a show where each week we'll sit down with Vincent Daly to get his thoughts on the latest movies he's been watching, both older films and new releases. And don't worry, there's no spoilers. Vince will give a brief review of the movie, share some thoughts, and of course, then rate the film. The Daily Ratings are always fair, honest, and most importantly, they're consistent. On today's show, Vince will be rating and reviewing Eyes Wide Shut, directed by Stanley Kubrick, The Stepford Wives by Frank Oz, Coherence by James Ward Burkett, newly released See How They Run by Tom George, and finally Don't Worry Darling, directed by Olivia Wilde. So stay tuned and enjoy the show. Vincent Daly, how's it going, buddy? Tommy boy, how's it going? It's going okay with me, and uh, how was your week of movies, Vin? Uh, week was good, uh, maybe a little bit all over the place, maybe the big umbrella is relationships <laughs> to all that these work. movies. That, yeah. that would work. See how they run is kind of the outlier, but uh, but yeah, I was able to kind of keep it all together. There's some heavy hitters in here. Yeah, yeah, um, I mean, no less the first Kubrick film we cover on the podcast. So, is it uh, the first one? Yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, that's exciting. Yeah, I mean, And I, his last Kubrick film. Are you right? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it was it was kind of an interesting week. Uh, excited to talk about all the movies as always. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, let's start with that big one, sure. and I'm excited to see, obviously, of course, how the modern day watch how's it actually hold up as mm. far as our ratings go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is Eyes Wide Shut, a movie that almost everyone's heard of before. Mm-hmm. It's in 1999. It's Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman. Set the film up a little bit. What do we get with it? Yeah, so uh, like I said, kind of odd that this is the first that we're covering on the podcast just because Kubrick is one of my favorite directors, folks. In in addition to 2001 being one of my favorite films of all times, this, I mean, this director really kind of shaped what I was tuning into, what I was about when coming into liking film and, and kind of wanting to study it as well. This is a little bit of an oddball because he died only four days after giving the final cut of this film. And also his prior film. Oh, like it wasn't even in theaters yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, suspicions that there was studio meddling in his final cut. Uh, because the final cut is what he delivered, uh, and then four days later he died. Uh, I won't get into that because that's a deep dive. And Wait, Kubrick what's... films also have like a huge like urban legends around them. I mean, obviously The Shining, uh, 2001 itself, Clockwork Orange. You know, all of these have yeah. kind of a legend to them behind. Yeah, the scenes. multiple stories or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what was the theory with this one? That the theory is that like they were messing with his film so much that. It gave him a heart attack? Uh, no, what? no. More so that he he got his, such an accurate depiction of the elite and the 1% that they messed with the edit. Uh, uh, post-mortem. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, 
I think that's totally plausible in the sense of, you know, they just will mess with an edit, you know what I mean? Especially oh, sure, if the guy's sure. dead, you know what I mean? The, oh, the, yeah. the studio will obviously They're probably like, oh, great. <laughs> this is... <laughs> we can trim this one down. You should kill more directors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so so 99, I mean, he his prior film was 1987. Uh, this is a big gap wow. between 99. So despite being a huge fan of Kubrick films, I have never seen this one. And primarily, I think it was just because of Tom Cruise. It was... <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah okay all right. uh, steering clear also a secret christmas film so oh fantastic uh, yeah yeah um uh, but uh, the pitch here is the top one percent of manhattan are into some freaky shit that is it <laughs> that is basically it um this film kind of deals with uh, in a big umbrella of relationships and sexuality in relationships uh, after a emotionally devastating conversation with his wife tom cruise stumbles into kind of an odyssey of sorts. Uh, he's going throughout Manhattan. He's going throughout the city. He eventually stumbles a bit too far and step, steps into something much bigger than what he could imagine. And that's kind of the the pitch here that I want to give. Um, again, the themes here, Kubrick is tackling what what sexuality means in, in relationships. That sounds very high level, uh, but that's where this kind of odyssey format comes from because... Cruz's character in this. Uh, he's a doctor. He's of the, the elite in Manhattan at right, this point. Right. And he kind of experiences all walks of life at Manhattan from uh, a prostitute on the street to uh, a sexual deviant to all the way up to this kind of 1% perspective on it, uh, which is interesting. It's definitely a very weird movie. Yeah. Uh, right out of the gate. And a long movie, too. Yes, yes. Uh, it is a long movie, but it, worth it, I would say. Um, okay. All the, right. The, the long runtime is worth it because you do kind of feel by the end of this one, you know, fateful night there's a, a lot that has been covered we really have traveled to a lot of a lot of different walks of life in manhattan it doesn't feel like a waste of time okay uh even though maybe some of the earlier parts of the film do feel like a waste of time because it's tom cruise and nicole kinman <laughs> in a room but but yeah it is the uh the Kidman and Cruz show, Casey, <laughs> is my notes. <laughs> but, I mean, really, this is at the, the height of their attractiveness. They're married, too. Kid, Kidman is gorgeous in this film, but boy, let me tell you, you put two mildly bad actors in a room, and I don't think good <laughs> scenes come out as a result. Okay. You know, you know the, the formula is not there. Um, I think part of my problem is we don't get to see their love uh, first in the relationship. Uh, so when we have this weird conflict introduced, and again, and again it's, it's almost all teetering on one single fight that they have okay. in their relationship that is uh, emotionally devastating to to Cruz's character. It makes it kind of a weird dynamic. We see conflict first uh, in this, and it, it makes it a little cruel and makes it a little sad as well, I think, to Kidman's detriment as a character as well. Uh, luckily, she does take a backseat eventually uh, because of this weird fight Cruz gets on his way. Uh, he makes a night call. He's a doctor, and then he uses that as an excuse to explore the city, basically. Okay. And that's it. it. We're taking place in one night. 
yeah, one New much. York City night. Uh, okay. We had a little bit of spillover the next morning, but yeah, pretty much one night. Okay, all so, right. And that's where this kind of this Odyssey, uh, you know, description comes from. Tom Cruise, uh, his performance here is very different. I would say if you are a lover, lover of Tom Cruise, this might be an interesting watch for you. He's super awkward in this film. It's hard to nail down his character in this because even when he's alone, he's very passive in scenes. He's kind of just having everything come at him. Okay. Uh, he's he's experiencing the world around him as he processes this very devastating fight that he gets in with his wife. Or not even fight. It's like a weird conversation. Uh, he's very passive in scenes, though, and, and, and not his usual role. I, I would say definitely notable for that reason. I didn't enjoy it to a huge amount. Again, I kind of had a self-fulfilling factor that I stayed away from this movie because of Tom Cruise, and I don't think I would have recommended it because of Tom Cruise, but was different it, strokes for uh, different folks. Yeah, and what was his performance compared to this and, like, Mag- how was he Magnolia? Because uh, that was a different role, too, right? Yes, totally opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, uh, okay. Where Magnolia was, like, almost like Tom Cruise... To 11? Yeah, like, magnified. Okay, gotcha. Uh, this was, again, he's not, you know, he's, like, processing things emotionally, mm-hmm. and he really doesn't even talk in a lot of scenes it's so. like moody tom cruise almost uh yeah yeah moody okay uh it's 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 a very moody film in a lot of ways as okay. well uh both for the for the moods they deal with you know around the kind of the messy feelings around uh sex and the relationship and and things like that uh, regardless of acting though uh and acting quality i really could not take my eyes off the screen i mean mm. I, this is kubrick's filmmaking here is electric uh there's you know it goes back to what you're saying tom you know it was this really worth what is it is it close to three hours or yeah it's like uh, two hours and 40 yeah two hours and 40 you know i mean uh, believe me i was still just ready enough to to really knock it for maybe let's cut some in the edit maybe let's trim this down maybe i was the film producer right. you know post-mortem <laughs> uh, but uh but I, i'm telling you there is such a distinct feel coming across all these characters placed together we don't really have a good feel for a majority of the film of why Tom is, you know, meeting all these people and what it means. And then it finally really, you know, solidifies at the end. And it may not be the most satisfying solidification, but it really does all come together. And there's just such a purposefulness uh, to uh, to the story and what we focus on with it. So uh, as, as awkward and, and, and unusual scenes seem to be, each is there for its own reason. Uh, that only becomes kind of complete uh, at the end. Much how with his prior work, prior work, Full Metal Jacket, we have kind of a lens on rage uh, and war with this. Uh, in just the same way, Eyes Wide Shut, it's kind of looking at intimacy and relationships through sexual deviancy. Um, and this is like a, you know... This is a. These are big concepts to 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 unpack in the film. Yeah. Just how Full Metal Jacket is a huge movie. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think. I, would I really rather it not be explored through Tom Cruise? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Were you thinking people at this time period who would you rather see? <sighs> you know, that's a good question. I'm trying hmm. to think like, who's on a rise, who's a young actor. Would Leo be good in this? Maybe, maybe. Ninety nine yeah. Leo. Sure, sure. Actually, yeah, probably. Yeah, ninety nine. Be a little Leo. young, but he could still probably play it up great. Yeah, young yeah. doctor. Maybe Val Kilmer. You know. Yeah, Val Kilmer, sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I was really respecting what was going on with clearly the vision. You can kind of almost sense it. It had a pulp to it. <laughs> like everything about Kubrick was mm-hmm. phenomenal. 
Absolutely. Everything with Tom Cruise <laughs> was, was Tom Cruise. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mediocre to just meh, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't regret watching this film. Uh, I'm coming away with a positive rating on this uh, because I really do think in the end result, it really was fully worth the time. Okay. Uh, I was not regretting the time that I watched with the film. It does get absolutely insane as well. So, I mean, believe me, there is some, you have some skin in the game to, if you haven't watched this film, go out and watch it, you know? Yeah, I, I could say a lot more in a deep dive, but bottom line, I think this film was worth your time and worth watching among Kubrick's work uh, as a director. It may be one of my least favorite among his work because of the acting talent, but by no means uh, does it lack his craftsmanship. We're going to go ahead and give eyes wide shut a 70 on the dot oh wonderful okay 70 on, yeah that's a great that's a good movie mm-hmm. absolutely and that's good to hear that Cruz didn't totally tank Cruz, <laughs> he, he didn't bring it down completely yeah well, the oddest thing is that I, I found out that they were married after the fact and i just was wondering wow was this an illustration of why the marriage went downhill <laughs> <laughs> or were they just lacking you know uh, electricity on screen with each other I, super I, weird I, dynamic yeah it was, it was it was very odd i'm glad that i'm glad that we watched this though yeah and that this is on the list for sure and 70 hey still good oh and like like you For said, sure. I wouldn't be surprised once when we get through, start going through Kubrick films where this is, is going to be on the lower end. Mm-hmm. A testament to Kubrick, though. Yeah, absolutely. I think that a 70 might be the lowest. <laughs> right, know? right. That's his bar, for yeah, sure. Yeah, which is pretty crazy. But okay, very good, Ben. So we're going to bump up here. This We're in 2004 now, sticking with, unfortunately, Nicole Kidman. Uh, 2004, <laughs> this is The Stepford Wives. Again, a movie that I, I have always heard and everything like that. No, sure. Nothing I watch. So, you know, who is this movie for? What is it? And how did it hold up? You yeah, know, 18 years later. So this was a midweek watch. Uh, I just saw Don't Worry Darling, and they're very similar in concept of kind of a utopian society, wife's in the kitchen, men's out at work mm-hmm. type of thing. Apparently, I just hadn't had enough of poor acting from Nicole Kidman <laughs> after Eyes Wide Shut. So uh, Yoda himself directs this, Frank Oz, uh, puppeteer, director, and, and filmmaker. Very uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very cool. <laughs> uh, I, I We haven't really covered a lot of Frank Oz's work, but uh, you know, his handful of director credits, this is one of them. Stepford Wives is a remake of the 1975 film of the same name. Never saw that. Uh, wasn't going to go a stage deeper and make it a Stepford Wives episode, so uh, <laughs> you, know, you can kill me there. Uh, <laughs> this is a full-on comedy, though, with a lot of satire around what we consider to be a perfect relationship. Um, the pitch here is that husband and wife, Mad- Matthew Brown. Roderick and Nicole Kidman move out to a utopian town of Stepford. Uh, Life is perfect, everyone is happy and idealistic, but the men of the town hide a dark secret in the town's peace. Um, I will say... Uh, this this comedic tone uh, it really didn't sit well. Um, oh, really? Yeah, we'll see. In with, what way did it not sit well? Um, because of undoubtedly where the film wants to go, it's it's trying to take this utopian aspect and clearly say, oh no, it's actually dystopian. You know, it's it's something it's something bad. Okay. Uh, and the comedy just feels like it's it's a comedy movie for like good 80% of the run and then it just decides to twist in a different way you know 
this type of mix matching, uh, I really just did not like at all. So it wasn't that it was cheesy. It was more so that it just literally didn't work. Like yeah. It, it... <laughs> I just think it flat out didn't work. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hey, I mean, maybe that was the case with the original Stepford Wives, and this was kind of a, you know, a, a nod to that uh in some way but uh but yeah and just not well we'll we'll see what don't worry darling this premise is projected through a psychological thriller lens but here it being played as a straight comedy for you know a whole lot of the runtime it just does not work uh, a lot of the comedy here is just dated 2000s Comedy to the point of nausea, I mean, is jokes about celebs, uh, clothing brands, gay jokes, sexist jokes. Um, really, the whole runtime is just slinging these, these these jokes about, like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just the writing, because I was trying to think, like, early 2000s. Actually, you and I, yeah. we watched uh, Awesome Powers, and that was still landing. So oh, maybe it it's just a big, yeah, and that's still like reference humor. So, oh, so you're saying maybe it was just it, it's a product of an early 2000s comedy? Yeah, early 2004, no. but also bad writing in 2004. Yeah, it was probably just bad. There's good comedy I mean, in 2004. Is Dodge actually early 2000s when we started a great mm-hmm. run of comedies? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Dodgeball was 2004, I think. Yeah. I bet the writing was just bad. Yeah, I, I, it has to be uh, because I maybe. Mean, and was it corny? If you're getting like you know, <laughs> stereotypical gay joke, stereotypical <laughs> this joke. I don't know. It just it just weren't landing. And there's like there's like good talent behind this. There's Christopher Walken in this. There's Bette Midler. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe the writing just sucked. Then. Yeah, yeah just, it, the writing was bad. It was a little maybe a little bit on the shoulders of delivery as well. I mean, it didn't look like every anyone was enthusiastic to be in this film <laughs> the entire <laughs> runtime. So. Yeah, just uh, one that I was scratching my heads over, and I would say again, this uh, the film decides it wants to be something else, um, uh, which is it, it's leading up to that for the entire film. Again, this this comedy is is in direct conflict with it. It just matches very poorly and and kind of makes the whole thing feel like a waste of time. Not even the performances here can save it. Like I mentioned, Christopher Walken, Bette Midler. Matthew Broderick, uh, you know these are you know uh, performance, you know actors, uh, actors and actresses. Yeah, the big names, the yeah. big names. Uh, and one I would like to see in this in this type of context, but yeah, it just seems like everyone's really unenthusiastic. So, I think the comedic setup is what sunk this one for me. Primarily, it tries to be funny and barely got a single smile from me. <laughs> uh, I think if uh, you really love this cast, maybe this could be a good watch for you, but it wasn't working for me and definitely not working for such little payoff. We're going to go ahead and give Stepford Wives 2004 a 36. Wow. wow. <laughs> Boy, we breeze past that movie. <laughs> Maybe maybe more reminiscent of some some earlier episodes. Well, like you said, well, I mean, it makes sense if it was just a waste of time. That's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I, I just weird. Uh, it was. Were you was, expecting that at all? I don't. know. I was expecting some fun with it. Yeah. Um, but the jokes were just so on the nose. Like it felt like again what I always say about like autocomplete scripts. It felt like that. But in oh, two thousand four, yeah, sure. you know, what I mean, it, it, the jokes almost made themselves, but the delivery wasn't there and the jokes weren't there. You know what I mean? So, so and how funny is it where we covered uh, something like um, Naked Gun? Sure, sure. 
and like <laughs> it still lands. It <laughs> yeah. still absolutely lands. And that's stupid jokes. Yeah, but yeah. there's just I guess it is delivery and writing and how yeah. it's, it's it's a mixture. It's of like blend you of the know it, the, the gay character makes a Brooks Brothers joke or or or, or uh-huh. you know it, it's uh, <laughs> you know the whole thing is like a sexist joke. And I'm not saying I have a problem with those. And certainly in 2004, it wasn't you know like a problem, but. I, man, it just it just wasn't landing, and that's where I think it has to it has to relate to the writing. Wow. It has to be at the core. I mean, thirty six is a bad score. It's true. Well, 30. and again, illustrates the stay away aspect. <laughs> like I don't know. Okay, so that's Stepford Wives. Uh, moving right along from that, boy, thirty six. <laughs> uh, next one is a film I'm not too uh, even. I don't really know anything about this. Oh yeah, we're in two thousand thirteen. This is Coherence and. Uh, what made you pick this film and then set it up for us a bit? So, yeah, this was a, a kind of another rare sci-fi pick off the list. Uh, I watched this with my brother-in-law, and it definitely makes sense that you haven't heard of it. This is definitely indie, under 50K it looks like it doesn't budget. Even have, it looks like it, wow. Yeah, oh, looks, yeah. It looks like it doesn't even have a rating either. Oh, yeah, like yeah. Like it doesn't even have an MPAA. Yeah, this is this is uh, definitely low-budget, uh, small indie project. Where did you find it? This was on a list, but also uh, my brother-in-law, John, who w- was very passionate about showing me this film, and I, I absolutely loved it. Ooh. I mean, I think this was a successful sci-fi gem mined from... Really? The, uh, yeah, from the from all of streaming, you know? Yeah, this is... Uh, Under 50000 is crazy. Like, oh, yeah. A $500,000 film is cheap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the director is the... He, do, he does writing, he does art, he was the writer of Rango, the animated Yes! One. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> cowboy, western. cowboy top, <laughs> cowboy top, popping up. So, um, yeah. So, is there any any other people involved in this film that we would know from anywhere else? Um, like, one of the actors is from, I think, uh, TV acting. I think from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, not, so not, barely not anything. I, yeah, yeah. So really, basically, this director that came mm-hmm. from not a whole lot. Uh, yeah, who wrote for Rango had a chance to direct this fifty k in his pocket. And uh, folks, I mean, you could see this scrolling through streaming and skip over it. But let me tell you, that would be a big mistake. because wow. this is a great movie. Oh, this was a you know this is what I always talk about trying to mine the sci-fi gems and this was a successful mining. Wow. Yeah, was this on um what what streaming platform was this on? Uh, Amazon, uh, I believe, free as of right now on Amazon. Oh, it's on Prime. Okay, yeah, I'm so, sure. I'm so sure. it's a sci-fi. Yeah, let me it, let me introduce. Okay, a little got bit. yeah. So I would pitch this movie as suspense thriller first. Uh, with a sci-fi kind of undertone. Uh, our setup here is a handful of friends are gathering a reunion dinner of sorts. Uh, on this fateful night, a huge comet is passing overhead and begins to influence aspects beyond just the night sky. Uh, like everything, I do want to stay away from spoilers, but mm-hmm. this one in particular has a good unraveling quality to it. It was really a fun movie to watch because it's like... Man, I wouldn't call it twists and turns, but unraveling it and and kind of problem solving and theory crafting as you're watching it was really one of the most enjoyable parts. I'll get into some comparisons later on of where this might relate to other movies that you watch and uh, folks at home if you if you have something like that that you enjoy like this guess what that's a green light from me uh, but there are many b- brilliant qualities to this uh, but by far the most enjoyable was the piecing of the mystery together really had a great quality to it what I can talk about is how the information is presented there are eight people in this dinner party and most of the time is the dialogue is heavily heavily layered over each other people are just kind 
kind of talking over each other constantly. And for some, this might be a bit grating to listen to, but I thought it was honestly fantastic. I really did love it. Uh, Because it was was believable? Because it felt real? uh, It it just felt... Yeah, I guess it felt real. I liked the kind of the chaos of it and definitely when the panic is is introduced mm-hmm. of this kind of su- suspense thriller well guess what that panic really benefited from this group talk the the kind of the the madness in between the group yeah having uh, eight i feel like is awesome yeah much better than like four or something sure. like that mm-hmm. there's a lot more that can just be happening there yeah yeah and don't get me wrong we do get one-on-ones we do get uh sidebars where it's just one character or uh, uh you know two or a handful of characters but those scenes where it's all eight at once it, it really it feels natural like a dinner party should and there's a there's a realism that comes in I did some light research on this and apparently each actor only was given a paragraph of what their goals were on that day of scre- uh, of, of uh, filming and what their was, goals were as far, what do you mean by that exactly? as like their character goals oh, you know oh that's I mean? cool and uh, yeah really interesting stuff um, the, the group talk is though is key to how the paranoia is built in this and like I said, uh, you know, I watched this with uh, my brother-in-law John. Uh, we, the kind of the term we came up with is orchestral dialogue. It's like okay. you can oh, kind of yeah. hear it all at once. Uh, you can kind of tune into specific parts, and I would say it's a it's a fifty fifty for me because I definitely loved it, but understand that. Uh, when you're watching this film, it's either going to work for you or it's not going to work for you. Because if this, you know, kind of loud over-talking, this group talk, if you're not digging in, that is kind of There's the that whole, much going on. Okay. Yeah, that is, that is kind of the whole focus of the film. Um, I think it was a... A big highlight for me, though. The camera work and the editing, uh, in particular, uh, here as well, uh, very interesting. There's a lot of hard cuts to black to indicate time jumps. Uh, i got to be honest, it, mm. in, in ways, and maybe this is where the low budget is coming in, it almost looks like The Office <laughs> in how it's shot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, it's odd, especially as the, the camera kind of snaps to certain people's reactions. It really did feel like something out of The Office. Like documentary style, almost. Yeah, yeah. Bad, but uh, not... Cheap. No, I think good because okay. our focus are each of these eight characters. It is definitely about the main character, M. Uh, I think it's Emily. And, you know, it's us unpacking that, but we do care about kind of all eight of these characters as the night progresses. Okay. Uh, so this, you know, again, once again, I'm kind of mentioning it because this could be an area where you look at this film and maybe are turned off by that aspect. I think not only is it worth going through for my recommendation, but I thought it was actually a highlight. It actually uh, added to it. Yeah, yeah. So, so normally... It's about the characters. It's filmed for the characters. Right, normally when it would be... It would be noted or just be like, look at this piece, look at this mm-hmm. cheap piece of shit that was made. <laughs> right. That's nice to hear that it was done in a way, or at least was sold in a way, yeah. where even you, because that's something you could pick apart. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That's kind of cool, though, that it, it actually yeah. added to it rather than took away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was uh, it, it was, it was really, a, I mean, just a, a great payoff to it. I, I have to say, and I'm sure this is probably, you're probably getting this in your notes, but low-budget film, mm-hmm. eight main actors mm-hmm. that are all getting time and, and, and writing. Mm-hmm. How was the performances? How was the... Uh, performances were good. I, I wouldn't say there's actually a standout among any of them. Right. Uh, but I gotta, I gotta give props to the realism because again, it did not seem like they were uh, giving stilted dialogue or anything like that. If anything, maybe I got lost in a little bit of the group talk. Okay, but not bad by any means. 
Very so, good, very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, I really can't talk about too much more because, again, it will rob you of the experience. The same reason why John Carpenter's The Thing is great. The same reason why I loved Bodies, Bodies, Bodies a few weeks ago is the same factor here. It is mm. paranoia, it is pointing fingers, and it is madness. Uh, this film is great in all of these ways. I love the sheer panic of the film, and I love how violence comes as a natural result of frustration and feeling powerless as well. Again, once again, that that's where this kind of group talk really shines, because even maybe if you're annoyed by it in the beginning, it definitely plays to the the thriller aspect, the suspense right. of what's going on on screen. Hmm. Uh, I think the only thing holding me back for, or, or rather anything holding it back for uh, some audiences might be the production uh, of the quality and budget. Definitely like a movie we covered earlier in the podcast called Mass, where it was just... Yeah. People, you, stick, you stick four people in a room and four people in the room they're gonna act their butts off yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> um and this definitely is uh, in line with a favorite of a mind called primer in the sense that budget yeah, does not necessarily primer. equal quality you know yeah uh, and primer definitely hits in the same way the through line between these three films definitely low budget does not equal the quality of the experience and if anything might just be the strength in simplicity, we're going to go ahead and give Coherence an 80 on the dot. Ooh, okay. Oh, give it a watch. It was so entertaining. I, I really did love it. I mean, that's a great score. 80's saying that this is truly a great movie. Wow. Yeah. Coherence, 2013. And 50K budget. I mean, that's it's insane it's to incredible. think about. incredible. Yeah, yeah. Truly incredible. I mean, that's it, it is insane, actually. Yeah. When you think also about goes it. to show that sci-fi does not need blasters and aliens and CGI. You know? Oh, oh my God, yeah. Absolutely. We, we talked about Under the Skin... Uh, not too long yeah. ago, and another great example of just like it doesn't have to be. It doesn't even have to be a look like a sci-fi to be a sci-fi. You know, look at Solaris. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. not the George Clooney Solaris, the good Solaris. <laughs> the good Solaris, you're right. But yeah, you don't need the Flash. Oh, yeah. you don't always need it as long as your your first of all the main story is good, mm -hmm. and then it's sold through writing and acting. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, but it just takes that, and it's I just it's funny. Because it sounds easy, but time and time again, mm -hmm. part of the reason why we're buying, you mind through all <laughs> the bad sci-fi it actually is quite difficult and rare oh, is what yeah. it comes out to be. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, folks. Okay. So that is Coherence from 2013. Apparently, you can see it on Amazon Prime with an 80%, which is just awesome, Vin. Um, okay, folks. So we're going to keep things moving here. Our next two films are in the now released or, or at least newer in films. Yeah, yeah, in theaters now. Uh, but first, of course, we want to just give a shout out to our producers this week. And we have two of them. Two? Ooh, two so, of them. <laughs> so we want to start out. So we have some familiar faces here, but we're going to start out. So our executive producer here coming in with $50 are uh, Glenn and Carol, who have produced oh, before. wonderful. Thank you so much. So it's $50, and something tells me because we just hit our 50th episode. But Glenn <laughs> and Carol say, congratulations on your 50th podcast. Hey, thanks. Uh, can't believe it's almost a year. Uh, this show has come a long way since the early episode and has evolved and grown into what it is today. We especially like the new updated biopics of you both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the baby pics. The baby pics are good on oh, the site. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, if you go to the, uh, the almost the about section on the podcast page of the website, yep, you'll you can see. see what Glenn's talking about. <laughs> uh, Vin, your critique of the film, in our opinion, has gotten more personal. That makes the listen that makes the listen settle in for a great show. Okay. An example would be it seems the early episodes covered more of score, editing, lighting, etc. As the episodes have progressed, the character development has been the major focus, which I think is fantastic. Mm. I'm also happy uh, that you have mixed it up with movie genres. 
uh, compared to the early episodes. Finally glad you got your feet wet in the comedy pool several months ago <laughs> with the accolades of Leslie Nielsen. And kudos to you for the, for the tough watches of the rated G films. <laughs> or being the only guy in theater with a bunch of women in Where the Crawl Dad Sing. Oh, my God. I, I forgot true. that. <laughs> I pushed that to the back of my memory. <laughs> Looking forward to more comedies, which I personally prefer. Yes, he did ask. He had a list the other day. <laughs> or, uh, last time he uh, donated. Uh, he goes, Vin... Uh, I'll use your tagline. Does that make Does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely does. Uh, that's pretty good, uh, Thomas. You have come a long way since the, since the early episode of just turning on the mics to being 100 percent involved with great questions for Vin and your own opinions as well of film. The progression of the added flip flop is just one example. <laughs> Sorry, Ocean's Hate. Your your humor as well has made uh, we as listeners more engaged in the conversations you and Vin share. Hey, thanks for that. We are going to give the listeners we're going to give the listeners out there a big boy alert to keep <laughs> listening and tell a friend. Great job, guys! Looking forward to the next fifty, Glenn and Carol. Hey, wow, that's a great note. We thank that you is so much. Phenomenal. It has been fifty episodes. I mean, this is going to be fifty uh, fifty one. Yeah, yep. or fifty two. Yeah, yeah, fifty one. Yep. Fifty one, and that's uh, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. Uh, yeah, and maybe on the. The notes of me getting more natural with it. That is what five movies a week will do to you, Glenn. And, and fi- yeah, and five movies a week, by the way. And that's we have over 250 films. It's unreal. It's so, unreal. You know, so people out there listening, you know, we know that maybe you're only interested in a film or two, but mm-hmm. understand the part of doing this is uh, you know, we do a lot. We do you oh, know, Vin yeah. does a lot of films, it's a lot of watching, and and what does that mean? You know, again, if it's if it's is it two bucks a month, three bucks mm-hmm. a month, or mm-hmm. is it five bucks a year? That's awesome too. Absolutely. Like that is really that's that's something special. And it's you taking your time and money to, you know, one, listen to us and two donate, that would be incredible. Absolutely. Okay, so that was our executive producer, uh, Glenn and Carol. You get the credit for that. We have another producer, our associate producer of this episode. Sean hit us back up, which is oh. great. I feel like he's going to get burnt out. He's been helping <laughs> us out on the website. He's throwing money he's at gonna us. He's going to run for the hills. Yeah, he's going to be a band overboard soon. But no. <laughs> but Sean went to just write it. He goes, love the Lord of the Rings special a few weeks ago. The only thing I would disagree with Vincent on is his disliking of Mary Pippin in The Return of the King. <laughs> I agree completely. Oh, I please, agree completely. Please. I made that known already. But yeah, Mary Pippin in The Return of the King is phenomenal. Uh, there are some very impactful and emotional scenes that would probably be cut from average action movies like all Marvel today. Mm. Um, an example, Pippin's song in Gondor before <laughs> Gondor goes to battle. This is so important to the stakes and shows fear of the war, uh, but otherwise a spot on review. Totally agree, Sean. <laughs> totally agree. The Pippin song actually is great. And an example how to do singing in Middle Earth. That's not so... Oh, tr- yeah, we can, we're going to do they- the deep... T- <laughs> An example yeah, yeah. of how we do singing in the middle of I'm just saying. They the tr- Tolkien way. They tried it in the Hobbit movies uh, <laughs> with Billy Boyd as well. Didn't work. And they just did it in the show, too. Oh, they really? They had like a music really? thing with the, with, the, with the girls singing and things uh-huh. happening on screen. And it was just like, oh, it makes me want to vomit. It's <laughs> terrible, terrible. So totally sure. I agree with everything that Sean just said here. Oh, uh, he did say a few questions, though. He goes... Ian McKellen is great to watch in these films. Do you think he should have gotten an Oscar win for Best Supporting Actor in any of the three? Uh, I believe he was nominated for the first one for Fellowship. Yeah, we're talking about wins over here. Um, 
Yes. Uh, yeah, he should If it won. was to be for one, it would be Fellowship. Yeah. 100% should have won for like, Fellowship. He should have. And not that he's in it so much yeah. that he's like a super important supporting oh, role. absolutely. But again, it goes back to my notes of his presence on screen, matching with camera work, matching with lighting, matching with just like sound cues yeah. of his magicalness. Yeah. Uh, amazing. It, yeah. It, I can agree completely. Yeah. Like 100%. Uh, he has a second question. And he goes, the main, <laughs> the main orc in The Return of the King was supposed to... This is the goopy face one? Oh, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> the, the, Codename Goofy Face. The, the main orc in The Return of the King was supposed to look like Harvey Weinstein <laughs> because he because he, re- he threatened to replace Peter Jackson with Quentin Tarantino. Oh, whoa. Do you think Tarantino would have done a better job making these films? I think it... What no- would be the biggest difference? <laughs> wow. I mean, great questions, Sean. Uh, I mean, that's a, quite the question. I think, I think beyond the shadow of a doubt, I don't think Tarantino would have taken this. He's too attached to this. So many films he needs to do. You know what I mean? Well, he's up at his own original stories. Exactly. But, very true. Okay, very so true. let's assume this is a real story. So first of all, yeah, um, the Weinstein Company has something like 10% in these films being made. Oh, okay. So it makes sense that he... And that's what, through New Line? Or... No, no, the hard. The, oh, just the, just Weinstein from yeah, yeah. Well, what's their production company called? I think it's just Weinstein. Yeah, I don't Weinstein know. production, yeah, Weinstein yeah. something like that. <laughs> something like but it's Harvey Weinstein's yeah, yeah. brother. They make mm-hmm. all the Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. If the orc was supposed to look like him, there's actually there's a, there's a scene there's a in the appendices and the, like the special features uh-huh. of the film and stuff like that. Apparently, they made him like they made the goopy face, mm-hmm. and Peter Jackson was like, "Well, can you add more? Like, let's really make his face look weird." <laughs> And they added more goop on. And then he was like, can we add more? And apparently Peter Jackson walked over to the clay and just started just mushing it on his face. <laughs> and afterwards he was like, that's what I want. That's and amazing. that turned out to be the guy. Wow. I, so we don't, I don't know if the Harvey Weinstein story is right, very right. funny. Um, I bet he was a pain in the ass and I wouldn't be surprised even if he. Oh, sure. Because sure. Peter Jackson did like nothing before. I mean, he did a lot yeah. before this, but yeah. also nothing. But also these we huge should do movies. some of his horror, by the way. Yeah, yeah, the, absolutely. The but like. Tarant- a Tarantino Lord of the Rings. I have no idea what that would. They be would like. be stylistic. <laughs> I don't know who Samuel Jackson would play. I don't know. Yeah, right. Probably like Elrond. Right, right. He's just like this motherfucker <laughs> ring's got to go to Mordor. <laughs> we gotta get it there. <laughs> I. You know, what would be the biggest difference? Everything. Yeah, I, I would say Everything. probably editing, uh, most specifically, but also soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Edo. <laughs> we, yeah, we'd probably get a lot of Morricone? his spaghetti westernness in the Lord of the Rings, which maybe oh, sounds like amazing. This idea. <laughs> <laughs> like this idea. If you did Edo. Oh my god. If Edo Morricone did the soundtrack, yeah, it Unreal. would be bonkers. Unreal. And probably no separation between the yeah, different yeah. lands. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. But uh, hey, uh, if the rumors are not. I mean, it's fun, it's I, I fun think, to think about. I, I, it's fun to think about. I think I oddly enough do side on glad that Jackson got it all the way through. You know what I mean? Because it's and like, back in two thousand, mm-hmm. we don't even have that much from Tarantino. What we have from him sure, is good, sure. mm-hmm. but even that would be like it's pretty Bill. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, sure. it's. His style, I mean, it was a lot of, you know, ripping off black exploitation films and, you know, 70s films and whatnot. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Very it, odd. It would be weird. Great question, Sean. <laughs> that, is, that is a great question. <laughs> you put us on our, on our heels. <laughs> uh, Sean, listen, we want to thank you for, um, you know, you're a producer of the Daily Ratings already. You have another credit to your name. Uh, you're associate producer of episode 51 here. We thank you guys so much. And if you're wondering what is going on, we kind of explained it already a little bit. It's a value-for-value value model. Are you finding value in the podcast or the website? If you could, show us back some value. You go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and through monetary support, um, you can donate, and that is a true, real 
producer credit mm-hmm. that you can go and use and flaunt all you want, basically. <laughs> but and that sticks with you for life, basically. And hopefully, we'll see it on IMBD soon. You all will oh, have look IMBDs, at that. Look at that. which would be awesome. But that's kind of how we operate here. We're completely producer supported. So today, uh, Glenn and Carol and Sean, of course, we want to we want to thank you guys. For yes, thank you all so much. Continuing to support us and continuing to produce the and daily continuing ratings. listening, you know, more than anything. That's true. Thanks you know? for sticking around. And Sean's helping on the site. He just threw up a couple more. Mm-hmm. Like it, a huge help, huge help that he's Absolutely. doing stuff on the back end so that's awesome but all right so we're going to keep on moving on here we have two more films uh this is the now released i'm excited to hear about this one because this has our boy in it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) so this film is called see how they run um it's kind of a comedy and uh what do we get with see how they run yeah so uh no experience with the director tom george uh he looks to come from a lot of british tv experience Uh, i introduced this with that because this film has some very dry british humor I wouldn't call it a comedy directly. But oh, is that right? Again, it just some of them just couldn't land for me. I I don't know. It is a full-on detective film because I think fundamentally how the story is being presented and what the bulk of the runtime, the type of scenes that we see, is a lot of interrogation, a lot of flashback to storytelling. This is actually kind of investigative detective work. Oh, right? okay, all right. Um, the film focuses on basically 1950s London around a long-running Agatha Christie play, uh, kind of whodunit play. And that, of course, she's known for in her writing. When Hollywood threatens to get a slice of the money, <laughs> a series of murders break out. Um, this uh, basically, you know, puts our case up to the drunk detective played by Sam Rockwell and an overzealous rookie played by Sasha Ronan. I, I would say highlights out of the gate. This feels very Wes Anderson-ish. It's very quirky in editing. Okay. Part of why I wouldn't pitch this as a comedy first is I'm, I'm not really outbursting with laughter. Often the tone makes for cute or kind of awkward situations out of obviously a grim murder mystery. Uh, it's trying to be very tongue-in-cheek. Uh, it's trying to be very funny how maybe, you know, again, uh, not to oversimplify Wes Anderson's style, it is, you know, someone entering into the frame in a funny way or someone leaving the frame in a funny way or or the editing itself uh, kind of yeah. being a joke okay. or quirky, you know? Uh, and that that is definitely on display here on top of, I think, very British TV type of sensibilities to the writing uh, and, and for that clearly the director is comfortable with. Uh, I actually really enjoyed a lot of the presentation here. Uh, a lot of split-screen edits, which shows two to three shots at once, which I, I kind of enjoyed. Um, I also loved the beginning uh, lead-in segment with Adrian Bro. He's a big highlight for me in this film. Hmm. And uh, it started off with a bang, but gotta say, uh, this film really, after that beginning segment, just continually and continually lost steam and and was almost a little bit pulling teeth, honestly. I wasn't falling asleep in the theater, but I definitely wasn't, you know, super excited by this film, which is a shame. Uh, I wonder if there's any parallels. It's funny that Adrian Brody's in it, too. Like, this sounds very Wes Anderson-y. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Uh, And and just a wide variety of cast as well. Yeah, Um, yeah. definitely taking cues a little bit. Yeah. So what, what lost steam a bit? Did you lose... It, was it the story that dropped? Was it mm-hmm. just the thrills and and just the fun of it? Just it. it it's just it. It is a a serious detective story. The type of flashback work we are investigating the different suspects. Okay. We are working with each of them, and it flashes flashes back to what they were doing their alibis at the time. Uh, this flashback scenario. Not that it's the worst thing in the world. Certainly, it's more real estate for jokes. But I just feel like. 
man, it was just really pulling teeth the whole time. It wasn't, um, it wasn't really entertaining. Um, I, for me, uh, I was appreciative of the British writing and the British comedy. Yeah, that but, could be good. Yeah, we were fans of that. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, once again, I, I don't think it was. It was a huge hit. It wasn't certainly wasn't a huge hit in the theater that I was in, okay. uh, which I would say was mildly populated. <laughs> uh, I don't know how this is during the box. Well. Yeah, <laughs> it's already going to. Use. It's not doing well. Yeah, yeah. So, I you know it, it's it's a tough one. Uh, I think part of my disappointment is that we we get into this plot really slow. And Rockwell, as our lead, is pretty lifeless in this, believe it or oh, not. Oh, really? Yeah. That's what I was saying our guy was. Yeah. To, oh. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sixth sense of when, when well, one of our boys is in. <laughs> That sucks. I mean, that's yeah. lackluster, would you just... Would you yeah, say? definitely lackluster. Not a bad film. Certainly certainly not a bad film as far as the production goes. Uh, but, right, like it uh, looked good and all that. And... Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I guess my, my takeaway was I, I just wasn't thrilled by any moment on screen. You know, these these detective stories and that super dry British humor. I mean, I can certainly respect the writing, but, you know, I count myself as a fan of both of those camps, detective stories and right. British humor. Yeah. And I, it was it, this. This just was not keeping my attention. Um, I, I once again, you know, uh, Rockwell's character as the main lead detective. He kind of flip flops from uninterested drunk to competent detective, and I just think it was just the wrong role for him. He's trying to be like this mm. proper, you know. He's got a you know a big mustache, and you know he's a quiet detective. And and, and again, Sarsha Ronan, she she plays this like overzealous, you know hyper, um, you know, manic detective taking down notes of everything. I feel like that role should have been reversed. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel like uh, it, there, there was kind of a mismatch there. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, the, none of the performances were necessarily bad. I just was not, was not thrilled by this. Uh, I'm coming out very lukewarm on this one. I could very well be that, uh, you know, it's a case that it just wasn't for me. I felt that it was just far too slow paced. I kept waiting for the electricity of the intro that is there. You know, that intro, you'll watch it. It hooks and, you. And, and, you hook, absolutely. Yep. Whether it was just Adrian Brody's narration or just how things were edited in. It had fun, it, it had electricity, and then the entire film, you're just kind of waiting for that to be recaptured, and it never comes. Mm. So, uh, a little tough, and sadly, uh, I, I don't walk away with this as too positive a rating. It does get, you know, on the on the plus side, uh, you know, of the... Of, of the mark, yeah. yeah <laughs> it is on the, <laughs> the right side of the coin, if you will, but not something that I would say is a huge recommend. I would say, if I'm really reaching for things to recommend this for folks at home... Uh, you are a huge fan of Agatha Christie. You loved um, Death on the Nile, uh, Orient Express. Uh, you know, you really like these kind of almost revival of whodunits. Yeah, um, which no one really does like. <laughs> right, there, maybe there was a Who's ecstatic about these uh, films, right, right, you know? Yeah, and, and, and even, you know, I, I not to even just backtrack my recommendation, but like I would then point someone to Bodies, 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 where it's like, well, all right, so this may not Different be. Different take on it. Yeah, yep. this may not look like a whodunit. Well, guess what? It is, and it's doing something new with it as Which well. Which is, at least that's, yeah. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, so, 
yeah, it's tough. So, but but maybe if you were, you know, folks, if you are diehard Ag- Agatha Christie fan, maybe if you actually like some of the Hollywoodness uh, and the callbacks to the night, you know, nineteen fifties in the Lon- in London, you know, there are some kind of in industry nods and jokes and characters as well. Okay, uh, you know, real celebrities as characters here. So maybe there's some enjoyment there. Uh, but again, I, I'm coming away very lukewarm with this one uh, to to my disappointment because this was one that I added in here and unfortunately uh, wasn't thrilled you were excited about. excited about. Okay. Yeah, and, and didn't hit, uh, it kind of distracted us away from the week of about relationships, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> it ruined our theme. Yeah, uh, we're going to go ahead and give <laughs> See How They Run a 59. Okay, 59. Yeah, not very excited. Yeah. You know, it's always tough with these middle of roads, as we always say. It is, you know, it is. because it's not that it's bad, but it's very uninspired, not exciting whatsoever. And, and it's it's these middle ones, middle of the road ones that really test my, you know, kind of my thinking of like, well, how much, you know, just fundamentally, how much am I walking away and saying, oh, you got to go see this? Oh, how much yeah. of water cooler talk is yeah. there to it? You know. And no one, I'll guarantee you, no one's talking about it. I mean, it's been out for 11 days and it's made just over six, well, 12 million worldwide. Uh, yeah. Six, uh, six million in the States okay. for, after 11 days. Uh, yeah. That's terrible. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's yeah, garbage. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I do need to make a, oh, God, I don't know. It's tough. I want to be like, hey, theaters are open now, people. Mm. Like, give support to your theaters. Sure. You know, and if you wait to it and go to your local theater, that's, that's almost yeah. more admirable to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. But it's just the fact of there is something to be said where, it's a different experience. Going mm-hmm. to the cinema is still nice. Yep. And a lot of directors will still say it about just like being in the theater or enjoying something. When you get that theater crowd like you had with um, um, uh, Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball. Yep. Absolutely. It's just it's a shame that things are going to start closing soon mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. And, and it's so a shame. But at the same time, I don't blame you for not going to theater because you have movies like this is out and Beast <laughs> and all these other films that no yeah, one cares yeah. about, no one asks for. Yeah, August was a was a big run of uh, movies that no one cares it's for. It's just weird. It's yeah, just yeah. weird, you know? I don't know. It's it, it's last year was better almost as far uh, as ways, film and, and new films yeah. and and we're coming up on now what we'll cover as well. You know what I mean? I don't feel like there are exciting releases like Dune or... Uh, so I'm saying Dune was... And that's... Last ab- Night in Soho. Talk about or, a movie you want to go see in a yeah, theater. You watch exactly. Dune in the theater. Absolutely. You watch it in IMAX. You know, so yeah, I don't so. I don't know what's going on. It's weird. Yeah. It's, well, it, we'll it, see. It, the year's not done. Okay. But <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm talking them off the list. Like, all right, all right. Bring me back. <laughs> so this one... Is this one in theaters? Yes. Come on. Okay. Oh, so yeah. this one is the talk of the town. <laughs> the ladies on the view were chatting about it you know <laughs> this is uh this is don't worry darling okay uh this is directed by olivia wilde yep and there was just a lot of controversy on set afterwards a lot of he said she said stuff going mm, on mm. um i'm i'm now curious really what is the end product is a good film at the end of this road sure uh, i think it's a decent film okay uh, it's definitely not bad um what this, is it what is it exactly because uh, very similar to stretford wives it's kind of this utopian town husband okay. and wife type of thing and 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 once again like i said in stretford wives review instead of comedy being a mismatch it is properly in kind of a psychological thriller, okay. you know, as the as the lens we're seeing this. So through. I will say, at least the trailers for this, 
and maybe because it's a little weirder or mm-hmm. kind of utopian. Mm-hmm. The trailers of this, I feel like, didn't give away too much. Oh, right. So it's nice standing here not knowing too much about it at least. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'll get into it. I mean, the there's not much to the story. <laughs> but hey, it's it's definitely not a bad movie. A lot of style over substance. Um, this is one drama-filled released, folks. Uh, I mean, from boycotts to review bombing to Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Always sneaking his way back into the limelight. Uh, it would be hard not to be aware of this film. Uh, I think my guess is, or maybe my hot take, folk, is that, that this is all manufactured. This is a marketing attempt to get a attention around a movie and get buzz around a movie. You you think I'm wrong? I nor you know me. I'm normally I'm always sure. going down that road. Right, right. What's the money behind it? Yeah. What's the real story What's being the, told here? Yeah. Why is this being done? Absolutely. I would say. I would say. Not, though. And the reason yeah. why is, I mean, I feel like, wasn't Shia practically done with all of He got far into filming. Yeah, there was and some... And then was kicked off stage, mm-hmm. even though he... And then, you know, Libby Wall came out and said that he was fired for the safety mm-hmm. of the other actress. And then Shia was like... No, I, I quit. I quit. <laughs> you were bad to work with, and I have the tapes of you begging me to stay. Uh, yeah, yeah. That. And then you had the whole Harry Styles thing, right? Yeah. Where, like, they... She had an affair with Harry Styles. And wasn't on directing set. I mean, I, I guess you are right in the sense that if it's a hit piece towards Those the director, st- what what good is the marketing? Well, that ends like big stories. Like It's not like you know the magazines at the at the supermarket are going to forget about what happened to mm. the marriage then mm-hmm. between Jacob Sudeikis and right, Olivia right. Wilde. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, it's just too dirty of a story mm. to be manufactured, I feel like. I guess my my con- my cynical brain says, "All right, it's it's messy, but does it result in talk? Do people have awareness of this film that otherwise they'd have not awareness of?" You know what I mean? For sure, it's, and I know? feel like no one would give a damn about this exactly. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I yeah, no, I definitely. You know, it's uh, so. I, I regardless, that that's kind of our. Can I make a prediction right away? Sure, sure. Chris Pine. Chris <laughs> Pine was the best part of the movie. Um. No, actually. okay. okay. <laughs> I, lo- I love Chris. Bond. Yeah, he's yeah. one of my favorite working he's good. actors. He, no, he's definitely okay. good in this. All right, well, uh, but I would say I'll more. Shut up. To- <laughs> no, <don't. laughs> it's good. It's he's more tone back with it. But uh, uh, Olivia Wilde is directing here. Uh, her last feature was Book Smart, uh, which I remember liking quite a bit. But it's not uh, rated on our end. Um, a little bit of a of a gap in, in the master list <laughs> of the data we have on our side. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, you know, this is very similar premise to Stepford Wise. Husband and wife, Harry Styles and F- Florence Pugh, uh, live in a kind of a flashback noto- uh, utopian 50s town where everything is perfect. And once again, almost identical, the dark secrets of the operations of the town uh, are pushed in our face. It's kind of obvious to everyone but the characters, particularly in some cult-like Ponzi almost aspects to their hyper-charismatic leader played by Chris Pine. I Just right off the back, I really do, I mean, I... I I really just enjoy this film having proper theming. I, uh, again, in this in the mm, sequence okay. of it, I was I watched this film and then I went back to Stepford Wives. So maybe that really highlighted for me, uh, or maybe you know overemphasized for me how much comedy was a mismatch for this. But you know, I, I, this had the right stylings. It had the right theme. Uh, I wasn't in love with this film, but it's just that tone, that theming. Right there was at least. 
so much better. Yeah. So much yeah. better of a matching. You know, this is a psychological thriller that plays into how our characters feel. The proper tone of the wives is feeling trapped and paranoid, and that should not just be a punchline to the joke. You know what I mean? It should be fear. <laughs> that right, is the yeah, focus of the film. Just right off the back, uh, much, much, much better. Uh, big fan of Florence Pugh, and uh, I think she is easily the best part about this. Uh, I was, okay. I was a huge fan of Midsummer. She was, <laughs> she stole the show from Scarlet in her own Marvel movie, <laughs> you know, which was mind-boggling. <laughs> and, and she brings a lot to the table here. The performance is very romantic, but she brings a great intensity to the fear needed for the role because, like I said, story elements are a little light. Um, this is not like po- Coherence where there is an engagement to the puzzle-solving of it. There may be that in the beginning, but that kind of just you know, doesn't really go anywhere. There's just yeah. not much to it. Yeah. Um, I would say this is one of the biggest offenders or examples, you know, depending on where you sit with this, of style over substance, you know. The film is almost entirely style, and maybe that plays into, you know, not really a lot being given away <laughs> in the trailer because there's not a lot to give away. Yeah, so. I mean, I guess that's cool that it looks good, but yeah. there needs to be a little bit more. Yeah, um, it's... Uh, I'll, I'll go into the comparison a little bit. It, once we get a little bit of... Um, an understanding of why Florence's character should be scared or why there should be some sort of thriller aspect. You know, a good chunk of the middle runtime of this is dedicated to just purely psychedelic almost horror sequences reminded me of Mandy very slightly in the sense that you're just you're just you're just looking at the visuals almost for a while and kind of uh, ingesting that okay so Um, does does any of the props go to Olivia Wilde then or this is like cinematographer setting up some cool um I think I think kind of whole team because definitely there's follow through on on thematics of the type of you know it's not psychedelic in the sense that it's like tie-dye it's psychedelic in this 50s kind of dystopian kind of you know it's different it's it's very different okay um this film is getting a lot of flack though uh a huge amount of flack which maybe plays into some of that review bombing uh from hardcore fans of the drama uh harry styles though is uh real bad in this oh really (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i can't say i really you know had him on my radar he's of course what comes to mind is dunkirk which maybe when you're watching dunkirk it's like oh that's 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 the that's the one i kind of he got lost almost the way they did him up i i wasn't sitting there being like it's harry styles harry styles exactly but this one it's like yeah Yeah, Uh, well more so he's just bad uh uh, you know no judgment and 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 obviously you know he's supposed to be you know eye candy for the kind of the female demographic of this uh but boy let me tell you it's it's real bad it's like he's trying to do a his his best but a ultimately real bad impression of leo uh, including Mm. many screams with a voice crack uh it really does feel like he's trying to be you know his his acting yeah. coach said oh no just be leo what are you what are you, what are you talking <laughs> yeah. about just do it <laughs> and uh and i really mean like the down to the cracking voice scream uh that is is in things i mean uh and it just doesn't come across good yeah it just okay. doesn't it's, it's not uh it's a shame because where i do knock this movie uh quite a bit uh, i think this movie would be much much more positive if that dynamic between florence and harry was much more than just physical, uh, where Florence is bringing really her all. She's I mean, punching. Yeah. Almost, almost, almost equivalent to Midsummer in, in the type of emotion that she's bringing, in the range, almost the, um, you know, she, she goes from emotional to determined to, 
you know, snide to to crafty, you know, a whole bunch yeah, of things. Yeah. And then just Harry's just there and, you know, giving giving the most bland type of performance you could really you could really, you know, not ask for, but <laughs> but but see on screen. So <laughs> but hey, uh, I'll we'll, we'll go back to that Crawdads review. <laughs> Maybe I'm not the demographic. Maybe, you know, you see Harry and, and the, the visual is all you need with it. But uh, let's go ahead and get, kind of get back to the story here. Uh, there's just not a lot of story. It's <laughs> <laughs> two hours and three minutes, by the way. Yeah, yeah, uh, which uh, thankfully Stepford Wise wasn't that long, <laughs> but uh, I don't think I really discussed it before in the podcast, but I mean, there are just times in the story that this could just be boiled down to a Twilight Zone episode, uh, or, mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, this to a T feels like a drawn-out TV show plot, or you want a, a modern-day, a, a Black Mirror type of show that it's it's a single premise just drawn out. Now, granted, what's the the what the filler to that runtime is again these kind of psychedelic horror sequences, uh, her going through a lot of stress uh, and right. a lot of breakdown. But when it comes to what we're what we're spending time with, it's it, there's no. There's no problem solving. There's no really plot development. And really, when it comes down to it, if I had to lay out beat for beat what actually happens as far as story development and what our characters interact with, it could probably be, be like a 50-minute TV show. Is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm wondering that almost it's it's the worst platform for it, be, it, it being a film. Yeah. it can. It's like you're, what you're saying is it could be an hour television show. Oh, yeah. It, if I'm, le- I'm, I'm less, I'm, maybe. What I'm hearing though is just like, what if they expanded on everything a little bit more and made it a miniseries? Like, yeah. did this have vibes just because of the storyline, dystopian, and this, and you're in this mm-hmm. community and everything like this? Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me. What's that? What was that miniseries that we got into? Prisoners with Ian McKellen. Oh yeah, we yeah, Prisoners. Uh, yeah, was it Ian McKellen and uh, who else? I forget who the main actor was. Yeah, so you yeah. would recognize him, but yeah. you know what I mean. It's like almost yeah. like it's maybe it was just the worst platform for it. Yeah, uh, quite possibly. Uh, quite possibly. Uh, I just think. Um, uh, more needed to be done with the unraveling. Of Were it, you getting bored you know? watching this? I wouldn't say that because I did enjoy the style. Ultimately, I did enjoy. It was pretty that, to look at. Yeah, it was okay. pretty to look at. I really like Florence Pugh as uh, in, that's in, good. In her that's actress. good that she's yeah. holding up something yeah. at least. Yeah. So there was a lot there that I, I I did respect as far as the visuals themselves. They are very striking. You know, uh, maybe psychedelic is the wrong way to word it, but again, it's like um, it's like trippy ballerina dancers, and then it's maybe like you know uh, the cinematographer uh, did Black Swan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah. Wow! Look at that! Look at that! It all ties. But yeah, another highlight, and maybe uh, kind of underlined by some slight disappointment, is that the the cult like aspects are very cool in this. They are layered into conversations. Okay, uh, it's it's layered into pop propaganda and world building. I liked it a lot, but so many are just hanging threads that never get answered in the story. And by the end of the story, you start to realize. They're hanging threads for a reason. They're not going to be answered. Ah, um, uh, okay. I think this encompasses a, a little bit of the the minor- minority among people that are really giving this this film flack because they're saying, "Well, there, there's so many plot holes, and how 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 mm-hmm. could this be a function?" It, I kind of understand this film to never be interested to answer those, and instead, let's reduce it to okay. The fundamentals here is probably just a TV show 
elevated, stretched okay. out. And again, a 50-minute story stretched to two hours. The bulk of the runtime are these visual horror set pieces and sequences around Pew. There, there might not be much substance here, but it's packed with good-looking horror, uh, slightly reminiscent of Mandy in that ways, and it may very, very slightly, <laughs> just in the sense that there's dedicated runtime to just visuals and and just kind of building mood to it, um, and the visuals are the focus alone in a lot of this. If you dig style here, folks, understand that this is way, way, way style over substance understand that uh you know if your expectations are through the roof on this especially fueled by the the drama and the you know you know kind of the industry talk of this um let's let's kind of quell that down a little bit and i think you're gonna enjoy uh, this a lot more uh, it, you know is it a masterfully crafted mystery no no but is it a good looking thriller i think so some plot holes may confuse and annoy some audiences, but my gripes around that disappeared once I realized what this was, a elevated and maybe a little bloated Twilight Zone episode. We're going to go ahead and give Don't Worry Darling a 62. Okay, 62, good, you know, a relatively good movie. Yeah, but I think ripe for watching on streaming when inevitably it comes to a free streaming platform. Yeah, okay, all right, that's good where it sits yeah. there. Um, okay, Vin, so looking at these films here, is there anything you'd like to add? We're going to roll credits here. No, I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, excited for next week. Uh, doing a Marilyn Monroe special for Blonde and uh, watching some Marilyn yeah, Monroe I mean, talk films. Of- I mean, I, I haven't seen anything of hers. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big move. I mean, talk about talk, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's we, we, talk. we think this film was talked about. <laughs> that one is really talked about. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, all right, Vin. Th- Vin, thanks for watching these. Thanks for stopping by. Folks at home, we'll run it down one more time here. We have Eyes Wide Shut with a 70%. The Stepford Wives with a 36 Coherence with an 80, See How They Run with a 59, and Don't Worry Darling with a 62%. Folks, we thank you so much for listening and producing, and we'll see you next week on the Daily Ratings Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, if you would, give us a good rating, or tell a friend about us. If you're wondering if a film is worth a watch, or just like to see more movie ratings from Vince, be sure to stop by thedailyratings.com, where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films. Also, if you found value in the podcast or our site, become a producer and go to the Donations tab on thedailyratings.com. You can donate whatever amount of value you feel you receive from us. We're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast.